All right, friends, we have made it to this, the last episode of the first season of the Naked Preacher podcast. I'm very excited about it, but before we jump into it, uh, one quick housekeeping note. I very much do want to continue doing episodes of this show. I know it was started for the purposes of school and helping me uh, conduct some research about pastoral vulnerability. But as it's gone on, I've found that it's something that I really look forward to. It's very helpful for me, and I've gotten some feedback from you listeners that it's helpful to you as well. So I want to keep it going. In order to do that, though, I'm going to need some help. I need your ideas, ideas on what would be good future episodes or who could be good future guests, what some cool segments could be to have as part of this show. Um, really anything that can help a podcast like this meet two goals. The first being to provide some community for folks in ministerial settings. You know, our calling can be one that is sort of isolating and it helps us feel like there's nobody else out there who understands what ministry is like. Well, yeah, there is. And this is a way to sort of bring us together. And the second main goal is just to give those outside of ministry an opportunity to see what it's like to get a peek behind the pulpit and see uh, people of the cloth uh, less as people of the cloth and more just as people, people who live regular lives and and, uh, have struggles and have joys and have challenges and triumphs just like everybody else who is seeking to love Jesus with everything they have and everything they are. So if you've got thoughts on how we can together create a show like that, do let me know. Just send them to the Naked Preacher Podcast at gmail.com. And after a little bit of hiatus to finish up all this school stuff, I'll look forward to taking your ideas and putting them together to build an exciting next chapter for this show. All that being said, it is with gladness that I tell you once more that I am Paul Burgess and this is the Naked Preacher Podcast. You know, preachers have to know how to take a joke. Uh mainly because we're the butt of many of them. Um, There are lots of preacher jokes out there. They sort of get circulated around and around, so we've heard all of them. Uh, One of my favorites is the one about uh, the eggs and the box. I still remember my childhood preacher telling this joke when I was young. Uh, Basically, it's about an old pastor who was uh, reaching into his closet one Sunday morning to get his Sunday tie. And he stumbles across this box that he never noticed before, a shoe box with three eggs and a hundred one dollar bills inside of it. And he doesn't know what it's all about. So he calls his wife over, says, Honey, do you know anything about this? And she's a little bit embarrassed. She says, Well, yes, sweetie, I've had that a while, but I didn't tell you about it because I didn't want it to hurt your feelings. He says, well, what's to hurt my feelings is just eggs in a box and some money. And she said, well, back when we first got married, I said that every time you preached a bad sermon, I was going to put an egg in this box. 
And the pastor said, well, you know, three eggs over 45 years of marriage, that's actually not that bad. I'll take it. So what's the money all about, he asked. She said, well, every time I got a dozen eggs, I would sell them to the neighbors for a dollar. Hilarious, right? Yeah, there's plenty of them out there. And, you know, as important as it is for a preacher to know how to take jokes like that, I think it's also important for a preacher to know how to tell a joke as well. Now, some pastors have an issue doing that. Personally, it's never been a problem for me. I don't mind it a bit, but some folks do. Some claim that humor has no place in the pulpit, or they believe that church is supposed to be serious or all about reverence and nothing else. But I think that there's another reason behind why some folks are hesitant to crack a joke in a holy space. I think it's because humor requires some vulnerability. You know, when we laugh, our defenses are down. And when our defenses are down, we are vulnerable. But you know, we're also together. We're also sharing in a single moment, enjoying it as one. We're also disarmed and more open to receiving the message that follows. But you know, it takes guts to get a crowd to that place to lift a group from stoicism into smiles, especially on a Sunday. Like I said, it requires vulnerability for a preacher to stand up and risk an invitation for the congregation to laugh with you and not just laugh at you. Today's guest is Reverend Susan Sparks, and if ever there were a person to talk about the wonderful blending that pastoral ministry and humor can be, it's her. Because not only is she a pastor herself, but she's also a stand-up comedian. That is not a combination you see every day, and I'm so grateful to have spoken with her and to share our conversation with you now. We are happy to have on the podcast today the pastor of Madison Avenue Baptist Church in uh, New York City, the first uh, female pastor of that church in, I guess, since its existence. Um, She is the author of Laugh Your Way to Grace, a tremendous book uh, about humor in scripture and humor in faith. She's got another book that's on the way. She is into a lot of things. Her name is Susan Sparks. Susan, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you for the invitation, Paul. It's my honor. Yes, and um, and I've I told Susan over email that I've read "Laugh Your Way to Grace" from cover to cover, which is something I don't do for a ton of books. And uh, <laughs> and to prove it, on the back cover of her book, there is a a glowing review from Naomi Judd. So I want to thank you for now making me one degree of separation away from a Judd. Susan, That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Anytime, my friend, anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, Susan, you you are such a a, a cool person in in ministry and Baptist life because a lot of Baptist ministers, we follow a pretty predictable route into ministry. You know, uh, it's sort of college and then it's seminary and then it's 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 a church. Um, If you're a rebel, maybe you have a stint in the Peace Corps somewhere in between. But your path (laughs) to ministry 
looked nothing like that. And so for those who don't know you, please uh, share that story of how God led you to the pulpit, because it's a great one. Well, yeah, it was, uh, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever driven to the top of um, Pike's Peak. That's what my kind of call journey looks like. It's the switchback, near, 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 near. (laughs) I, you know, the the shortest version that I can manage um, is this. I, I felt like I was called as a preacher when I was really young, Paul. I mean, like six or seven years old. Hmm. And I remember taking like stuffed animals and putting up against the, you know, in the corner, making up sermons for them. And um, <laughs> it just, you know, that kind of like really tangible uh, v- m- vision of a call. And hmm. I just, I loved it. But then, of course, I was raised in a Southern Baptist church and I found out early on um, that that was not possible that mm. women are not called to be ministers and that was shut down very well. so you know almost subconsciously i just sort of took that skill set and put it somewhere else and the next thing you know i'm in law school which mm-hmm. may sound crazy but it's really the same job just different clients you know because <laughs> right because you're advocating for people and you're you know you're presenting a message and you're trying to lead clients down and uh, lead them in a uh, a healing type of a path it's just yeah. very different clients a very different yeah, different demographic. But so I did the law for 10 years. But honestly, over time, that call kept coming back and it kept coming back. And I wasn't clear totally what it was. It's sort of like indigestion a little bit, <laughs> kind of like <laughs> undertow at the beach, just pulling and pulling. But after about 10 years, I knew for sure that I wanted to um, at least explore some type of career in spirituality. I wasn't ready to claim a pulpit, but um Long story short, I took some time off. I traveled. I came back. I entered Union Seminary. And, and as part of the seminary experience, you have to do a field ed placement at a church. And I didn't particularly want to do that. I was a little scared of church still. I had I had not actually attended church for about 25 years because I was so burned by hmm. my experience early on. And so I said, all right, I'll fine. I'll do it. But the placement director said, well, I've got a Baptist church for you. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, honey, no, I'm not going into a Baptist church. And they're like, no, you should go. Just This is this is Baptist, just not like you expect. Right. Which, interestingly, is, is now the tagline on our website. But I walked in the door, met the minister of this beautiful church, came that next Sunday, walked in, and Paul Off never left. That's wow, 17 that's awesome. years ago. That's awesome. And, you know, I was a, assistant, a student assistant associate, then Mike retired in 2007. I took over as the senior. And, you know, talking about God just working miracles, it was like the path just unrolled in front of me in the clearest way. And I fought it every step of the way. Mm. And yet here I am. Yeah. And a pulpit preacher that even my friends there are like, really? Are you sure that <laughs> that's, that's what you're doing? Because that's not, wow, you didn't talk about that. Yeah. For a long time. I'm like, yeah, I didn't because I didn't believe it was possible. Yeah. That's so I said that was gonna be a short story. That wasn't, so I apologize. But uh, relatively for a Baptist preacher, that is a short story. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, I got another two hour version, but we'll wait on that. (laughs) Of course. Um now there's also another interesting wrinkle to your story, um, because not only do you have the lawyer background and uh, of course the the ministerial background uh but but you wear a pretty uh, another pretty interesting hat that you know i'm not sure too many uh ministers in the world also wear uh the hat of a comedian uh explain more about about that how has that developed yeah i started doing comedy studying stand-up when i was a lawyer and i realized uh, i was a trial lawyer down in atlanta and 
I was watching these good old boys get up in front of the juries and they were funny and they were as good as any professional comedian you could see. And when you get a jury to laugh right out of the box, I mean, literally the second you get up there, then you could just see there was trust. There Mm. was rapport immediately with that group. And so I realized this is not just them being goofy and funny. This is a very savvy, very powerful rhetorical tool. So I started studying stand up and, um, and I found it to be, uh, something that was incredibly powerful about pers- with persuasion and presenting a message, but most importantly, showing a piece of who you are. It, um, it allows uh, some vulnerability, some intimacy with the group that you're talking to, and they look at you and they go, oh, she's like us. Mm. And then there's a trust, and then yeah. they'll hear what you have to say. So, yeah, and that's, where it's, that's where it started. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, in seminary, it was a little more complicated. (laughs) I don't think those professors were ready to teach theology to comedians, you know, as we say in the South, bless their hearts. But yeah, yeah, Yeah. it got complicated. Uh, I understand. Um, But no, I I, I love that. Uh, And it makes a lot of sense because um, humor does does have that power to sort of, um, you know, disarm and bring everybody on, on the same playing field. And um, I I think it's interesting. I I see a juxtaposition really of styles. If you think about a straight legal style that, that really is uh, more um, just straightforward and um, presenting facts and all that type of stuff uh, that that's one way to do it. And I think a lot of preachers adopt that type of uh, style, Uh, very expository, Mm -hmm. you know, just very, you know, fact and fact and fact and fact, and there you go. Um, whereas, you know, a, a more humorous style, a, a style that might get people smiling or, or laughing on the front end, um, uh, is is a little bit different. I think, I think the more legalistic, straightforward facts, facts, facts is uh, probably safer in a sense, um, but I. Th- think it's maybe a little less personal as well. And uh, like you said, humor, it's a little bit risky because it involves some vulnerability. Um, but I think there's, there's also, you know, a payoff there. Well, I totally agree, Paul. And, you know, the thing is, we sure, we've got to be responsible about crafting our content, about offering exegesis and support in sermons. But if we only give our congregations information they can Google in three seconds, why do they need us? <laughs> you know, in this day, in this day and age, we have got to give them what they can't get from the internet, and we have yeah. we've got to make them feel something in that sermon. Mm. Um, and and we got we have to tell them why it matters. Yeah. You know, I, I I find that the congregations that I speak to, mine and the others I am uh, blessed to be invited to preach for, want to know who I am. They want to feel something from my words, mm. from our demeanor, from our expressions. And, People are just hungry to yeah. feel loved, to feel a sense of belonging, to feel connected. And that only comes from opening it up and being vulnerable. It doesn't come from facts, which, you know, yes, they need to be there to be able to support sure. an argument. But that, you know, again, you can you can read that in a book. That's yeah. not why people come to church. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And I have had uh, some weeks where I'm working on the message and and, you know, I'm I'm doing a lot of research there you know, on Google or whatever. And it's like, you know, 
I'm really just being a vessel of like, I'm just a middleman between these people and facts that they could figure out on their own. Like exactly what you're a research assistant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, So it, you're absolutely right. It has to be more than that. Um, Now, like you said, there is vulnerability involved. There is a risk um, because in regards to humor, it's not always guaranteed to work. And so I'm interested to know, professional comedian that you are, uh, have you ever made an attempt at humor from the pulpit where it just fell flat or it did not register? Oh, absolutely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <Yeah>. Every <laughs> day, Paul, every day. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course I have. I'm trying to think of the most recent. Um, well, okay. Last week. <laughs> How about that? I was, um, I, I was taught it was Christmas or maybe it was two weeks ago. I can't remember, whatever. It was Christmas in July. We were celebrating oh. Christmas in July and I was talking about the movie Scrooge. And in the beginning I said, um, like, yeah, the first time I went to see, this was the old version of it with Alistair McLean, McClare. I can't uh-huh. remember um, the old British actor. And I said, I first went to see this movie with my mom and I paused and I said, it was a silent film. And I waited <laughs> and nothing came back and it was supposed to be my little play on you know age and all that kind of stuff and so nothing came back so had it been 10 years ago I would have panicked and just blown through it and kept going but now I've got a little you know year I got some years under my belt so I just stopped and I waited and a couple of people started to get it and I was like hello folks come on work with me here and then they got it and then they started laughing that's right which you know that takes a little bit of experience to be able to just stand solid and Uh wait for people to get something absolutely i've also also learned too that you know yeah it's risky you could throw out something that people won't find funny or don't find funny but there's a couple of caveats to that number one i don't use jokes that much most of mm-hmm. mine are either funny observational comments like that one or yeah. stories that have a funny punchline but that are real so mm-hmm. most the bar on those are pretty low um yeah. most people will get some type of enjoyment out of that or a smile out of that but i've also realized as a professional comedian and a preacher if you hit a punchline whether it's in a story or whatever and people don't laugh there's a myriad of reasons that could be uh, that don't include it's not funny mm. for example maybe they didn't hear it you know there's many times i've in the early days especially i'd hit a punchline and i realized i hit it off mic so mm. they didn't catch it or yeah. i was speaking too fast and they didn't catch it or i crafted the words in a way that were confusing so they didn't get it right or the demographic that day was just not a group of people that was ready to just laugh out loud. Mm-hmm. You know, you, uh, crowds change, congregations change every week. Every week is a different kind of chemical, not chemical, I mean, different chemistry with people. Yeah. Um, you know, it is. And like, for example, I, my husband's a Lutheran. Uh-huh. I did a whole like uh, laughter piece for a Lutheran church up in uh, Wisconsin and they just did not laugh. And I think <laughs> one of my, my greatest story at the end, they kind of smiled uh-huh. And I thought, oh my God, I just totally bombed. And one of the yeah. guys came up and said, that was just the best we've ever had. And I'm like, but you didn't laugh. Yeah. And he goes, no, no. I mean, a smile is a standing ovation for a Lutheran audience. <laughs> so, you know, I'm laughing. And I could say this because, like I said, I'm married to a Lutheran, but you got to know that there's a lot of factors that come into it that change yeah. it. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and you know, they talk about uh, laughter being contagious and all that type of stuff. If, you know, some, some personalities are those who laugh out loud. Uh, and, and if you have one of those, then it can sort of catch on it throughout sure. uh, the, the sanctuary or wherever you are. Um, but, but if you sure. don't have a couple of those, then it just might be the smilers who find it, you know, just as, just as pleasing and, and, Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, have you, have you ever had anyone who has just taken issue to, um, the idea of, um, smiling or laughing, uh, a lightheartedness, uh, to, to church, um, to your sermons or anything? Oh yeah. I mean, I've it, not as much recently, but when I first started doing this, um, I did a, I did a big conference that involved some uh, was involving preaching and preachers, and I taught um, a workshop on doing preaching uh, using humor and preaching, and I got blasted uh, in a couple of blogs that some of a few one or two of the preachers wrote afterwards about mm. how this was weakening the message and reducing Christianity to its lowest common denominator. And on and on and on. And I, you know, it really, you know, just I was crushed because yeah. I was excited about having done this and I felt a real um, positive feedback from most people. And I look back on that today and I realized that, you know, the only time I really get a vicious, like harsh reaction is from people who themselves have a hard time claiming joy. Mm. And, you know, I, to me, laughter in church is all about power. You know, it's about the church. A lot of times people feel like uh, laughter is some type of threat to the sanctity of um, of the service of God, of the worship. And, you know, it's, God is so much bigger than that. Mm. And I find it interesting. You know, the church, I think, is a little bit threatened by power sometimes because power uh, I mean, threatened by humor because humor and threatens power. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I always circle back to the fact that Come on, seriously, we are the only creature in creation that is has the ability to laugh. Yeah. And we're made in the image of God. So yeah. therefore, don't take a huge leap of logic to see <laughs> that right. a piece, a part of the holy must include joy, laughter, yeah. something of that nature. So yeah, I've gotten some pushback. But as the as the uh kind of message has grown, once Laughter Way to Grace came out and and I've been able to speak and preach and put a lot of, uh, you know, reach a lot of audiences with this. I think people are starting to see the, the wisdom in it. It's, yeah. Uh, you know, this is not some, this is not me just trying to teach people to be funny because it's, you know, to put a joke in the beginning of the sermon. This is about a way of coming at life, mm. a way of living our faith. Yeah. And um, yeah, so sure. And I think, you know, everybody deals with naysayers at some point or another. And sure. you've just got to realize that, most of that is coming from their own, their own baggage. Yeah. Uh, that, that is awesome. And, and that's why I think that this is such a great topic for an, a podcast that looks at vulnerability. Um, and kudos to you for just being exactly who you are and, and, you know, you've got that funny bone. It's a part of you and just, um, uh, and, and it, dances with that spiritual bone that's a part of you and, and you just uh, share it. And, you know, Renee Brown, uh, the, the hero of vulnerability for me talks about daring greatly and showing up in the arena and, and uh, being who you right. are and, and uh, you're just, 
you rock that. So um, it's it's well, an awesome. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't understand people that think you have to be serious in church to be serious about church. Hmm. I, 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 that just does not compute for me because joy is a, a, a huge gift that we've been given and not to exercise. As my grandmother used to say, if you don't use the gift, then you disrespect the giver. Yeah. You know, wow. so I, I don't, I just don't get it. Good quote, grandma. I mean, not you as a grandma, yeah, but know, probably right? your grandma. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I'm going to have to uh, write that one down. So, okay. Yeah, we, yeah. we sort of covered the risk that can be involved with humor, but what is the payoff for being vulnerable and, and making an attempt at humor in, in a setting like this? What, um, what really does it, what happens in a room, I guess, uh, when people start laughing together? Well, you know, I think there's, there's layers of value and layers of changes that happen. I mean, if it's, you know, on a personal level, laughter can change our perspective. When we, you know, when you laugh at yourself, you can forgive yourself. And when you forgive yourself, you can forgive others. Mm-hmm. So I think those, that, that, that two pronged statement right there pretty much captures the whole thing. When we are able to laugh in a place of pain or a place of frustration, it shifts the, it shifts the perspective and helps us see that we're just human. You know, mm-hmm. we're doing the best we can. And we start to give a little forgiveness for ourselves yeah. on the larger scale global scale, I think laughter is what is, is a bridge builder between people. And Mm. I am really proud to be part of what's called the Laugh and Peace Tour, which is a uh, comedy tour between me, with me, a rabbi who's a professional stand-up and a Muslim comic. And Mm. we've been on the road since 9-11 and still going strong. Just, Mm. we were just down in Raleigh-Durham, as a matter of fact, uh, a couple weeks ago. But in that show I'm the MC and I get up and I'm supposed to kind of get the show going and I look out at the most diverse group of faces you can imagine mm-hmm. but if I do my job Paul then I have them laughing within the first 30 seconds or so and in that moment their worlds overlap our mm-hmm. worlds overlap yeah and we realize that we're sharing something yep. and maybe it's something to do with something of families or food or but it's a shared common experience that no matter what religion what nationality what color what sex what sexuality what any anything we share it hmm. and people laugh together yeah so yeah. i that to me is the that's the big payoff and yeah. that is it's that moment that just that split second when our worlds overlap yeah I, and i um you came to the uh, cooperative baptist fellowship of north carolina uh, annual gathering a couple years ago and and i was a part of the the audience cuz you brought with your uh, with you that um and the laugh, yes. laugh and peace uh, crowd, and so uh, we got from uh, from your peers and watch you guys do that together. And and I will admit, you know, I was looking at the uh, the crowd congregation, so to speak, and um, you know, and I was like, I I wonder how this is going to go. Um, and then yeah. and then, but like you said, the second you know, it, you get up there and it's discovered that, wow, this is a humanity that we all share. Uh, I mean, it, it was wonderful. It was great. Everybody had, had a great time. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think that there is such, um, power in laughter. Uh, I, we have two little boys, uh, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Oh. And so, um, one of our favorite things to do as a family is sit down and watch America's funniest uh, videos, you know, Mm. and Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. I can remember laughing at that back 
in the day when Bob Saget was hosting <laughs> all the way to where it is today. And just, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. There's just something right. funny about, you know, a dad getting hit in the tender place with the t-ball bat or, you know, something <laughs> right. or what. and I think that if all the world's leaders can sit down in a room and have to sit through an episode of America's Funniest Home Videos before they start talking about anything else, that we might be able to make a little bit of progress because I just think there's power in that. Sure there is. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, okay. Well, we all know that uh, there are preachers out there who could probably benefit from working uh, their funny bone a, l- a little bit more um, and growing that. Um, is being funnier in the pulpit, uh, being more humorous, is that something that you think a preacher can develop? Or is it something that you just you either you got or you ain't got? Well, that's a, that's a great question, Paul. I think... Um, the short answer is yes, I think you can learn it. And that there's a caveat to that, which goes back to what I said earlier, but you got to have joy in your heart to start with. Mm-hmm. It's not there, you know, mm-hmm. can I teach Ebenezer Scrooge to do, you know, <laughs> to be open and joyful in a pulpit? Nope. Right. <laughs> you know, it's right. going to take three ghosts and a 24 hours to do it. So you've got to have joy in your heart to start with. But if you do, then definitely it's a comedy is a craft just yeah. like preaching is a craft. And you mentioned the book, I'm, uh, a new book I'm working on. It's called Preaching Punchlines, and it is by Smith & Hell once it's coming out next year. And I go through what I call the 10 commandments of stand-up comedy, which are the 10 major things I've learned as a stand-up comedian that can inform preaching. Mm. One example is chapter one, which is on editing, and it's called Thou Shalt Get to the Point. <laughs> and we tend to, like my first answer about my call, go on for a while. You know, we 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 don't. Editing is not a craft that's taught in seminary, unfortunately. Right. But there's an old adage that the longer the setup, the bigger the punchline has to be. Hmm. So we all know you get those emails that people are like, oh, this is so hilarious. What? Look at this. And you right. scroll for like three hours until you get the punchline. <laughs> yeah. And then it doesn't even matter how funny it is. You're on the floor. You're exhausted. Yeah. So the, there's a whole craft about how do you um, not only edit the manuscript of a sermon, but you edit the setup to a story, yeah. um, that you edit the way that you present a message, that you you know really take all the extraneous words out and go down to the bare bones so that people hear it, remember it, um, and, and take away. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it it can be learned. And I'm excited about being able to put this book out there because I think it might share a few little gems with people that may help bring that craft to their preaching. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that uh, coming out. You said, so 2019, be on the lookout? Yeah, sometime. I'm still writing it, but um, I'm hoping it'll come out sometime next year. Yeah. Well, that first commandment is a great one. And I think it's an an exercise in humility, too, for uh, for preachers, because, you know, I, I, I tend to do more manuscript type of styles. And so I, I work through every single word and, um, mm-hmm. and it can, Me too. it can be tough sometimes when you, when you put time in on something to, to, to cut it out, you know, there's almost this yep. sense of that they deserve to be blessed by these wonderful words that I've spent yeah. so much time. Well, exactly. Um, well, you might, you might think about using, um, um, you might think about using a, 
uh, little tool I use, and I call it purgatory. Oh, um, I always have a category category at the end of my sermon that I, I as I'm writing it, big letters, purgatory underlined. Uh-huh. So if I'm thinking, ah, you know, I love this, but I don't want to kill it, but I'm not sure it's right <laughs> here. I'll take it and put it in purgatory so it can work its way to heaven in another piece. Yeah, so I don't nice. feel bad. And, and I keep a big, I mean, a, a gigantic file of stuff called purgatory, which comes out of sermons that I don't want to trash, but it's better used somewhere else. Awesome. So, just saying. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> what a wonderful gift. I'll, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll look forward to creating a purgatory. Um, <laughs> Well, before I let you go, um, as part of each episode here on the Naked Preacher podcast, uh, we uh, like to end with a uh, an invitation, but it's it's really more of a skin invitation where we invite pe- people to uh, uh, share a, a little bit more vulnerably. So it's just three sort of uh, quick, easy questions um, that that invite you to share a little bit more about yourself. So are you are you ready? Uh, ready for the invitation, the skin invitation? I'm ready. All right. I'm ready. Bring it on. Okay. Three questions. One, what is one mistake you've made in ministry? Well, that one's easy, Paul, doing too much. Mm. I'm sure that's an answer you get a lot from your folks, but um, trying to be all things to all people and just thinking because you're the minister, you owe that to the congregation. Mm. Um, you know, that that's a, that's a lofty, lovely view, but that means you're going to be laying in a gurney in the emergency room uh within two weeks so that's right yeah it's a mistake i've made and i continue to make and i'm working on it good for you uh for working on it um yeah because you're not called believe it or not just to be a preacher you are called to a couple other things uh first who you are as a child of god and as a person in your family and um yeah that's right that's exactly right well good Uh, that's a good that's a great way to look at it yeah, good. Um, all right, so that's your mistake. Uh, what's one of your fears in ministry? Um, I think one of my biggest fears early on, and, it, and I still carry it, but in a different way, is facing a really extreme tragedy in the congregation. Hmm. Um, you know, the loss of a child, the diagnosis yeah. of a of a really, uh, you know, a terminal disease, something of that nature. And when I first started, I was so terrified of that because I thought I had to explain it. Yeah. You know, why me? Why did this happen? And over the years, I've realized that it's not my job to explain it, but my job um, is to walk with them through it. Mm-hmm. Just like God does not necessarily offer us a reason why, but to be sure in the middle of that fire, God's standing right with us. Mm-hmm. So I'm, it still scares me um, to do it. I think it's such a vulnerable place. It's such a scary place to be. But that is, I guess, the greatest calling, I believe, of any um, person, let alone a pastor, is to stand in, stand in the fire with people as they walk through it. Yeah. Amen. Good word. Um, certainly yeah. a shared fear with, with, with many ministers, uh, I'm sure. Mm. Okay. So last uh, of the skin invitation questions is, uh, what is one thing that you completely rock in ministry? <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to take a deep breath and make myself say this. Okay. I am a great preacher. <laughs> there it is. I said it. And I'm laughing because, you know, I don't know. I don't mean to, you know, I'm a Southerner and I'm just, you know, raised not to brag about yourself mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. you know, you feel like you're being all snotty when you claim your gifts. But yeah. I do think after so many years on the earth, you got to get over that. So I am a really great preacher. And I think that's something that I rock in the ministry. Amen. That's right. Good. Glory to God for giving you the gifts and, and, and you using them to 
give God glory. <laughs> so nothing Thank wrong you. with that. Thank you. Um, yeah. Now I do have, I have to say one special bonus uh, skin vacation question for you um, because you're a lawyer, but you're also a preacher and you're a comedian. So I have to ask which jokes are better lawyer jokes or preacher jokes. And do you have a favorite? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I think they're equally good. The lawyer jokes certainly have more surly jokes uh-huh. in them, ones that I would never in a million years share on this <laughs> podcast. But um, I think they're both good here. I've got two short ones I'll share with you. Um, okay. First, the lawyer joke. Why did God invent lawyers so that real estate agents would have someone to look down on? Oh, bam. <laughs> okay, so there's that. Um, and then a preacher joke that's repeatable and I think that your listeners might enjoy. Um, okay. uh, there's, there was a pastor one time that was known for preaching lengthy sermons and she noticed a man leave during one of her sermons and then later return. And afterwards the pastor asked the man where he had gone and he said, well, I went to get a haircut. She was like, well, why didn't you do that before the service? And he was like, because I didn't need one then. So, <laughs> bam. so anyway, um, speaking to editing and long preaching, right. Um, right. There, there are my two examples, but I do think I think lawyer wins in terms of surly, but there's both good, good right. in both categories. Well, a, a plethora, <laughs> a plethora of each that are available. That's for sure. Exactly. So, well, uh, Reverend Susan Sparks, thank you so much for for being here today, and um, no, thank you. Yeah, reminding us all about uh, the the importance of of joy and laughter, um, not just in church and uh, in, in in our spiritual lives, but just everywhere um, because it, I think it yes. reveals something of God. And so thank you for sharing that with us today. Thank you for having me. You don't have to be serious in church to be serious about church. Love it. Thank you, Susan Sparks, for that and all the many words of wisdom that you shared with us on this episode. And like I said, this is the last one for a little while. Uh, But fear not, we will be back naked as ever. And so if you do have ideas for how uh, we can make some future episodes, things that you would like to hear, folks that you would like to hear from, uh, particularly stories that require some vulnerability on the part of the preachers who tell them, please let me know. Just send that email to thenakedpreacherpodcast at gmail.com. I'll look forward to receiving those. And until the day the next episode drops, don't be afraid to shed a couple layers, crack a couple jokes, and be the preacher, the person God made you to be.